Greetings, everyone. I'm Jeffrey K. Lyons, and it's Tuesday, October the 17th, and this is Narrative Wars. Once again, we have a loaded program today. There's a lot going on in the world. Uh, the narrative war has begun between Israel and Hamas. And the question is, who will ultimately win the war of words? The Biden administration now suddenly cares about excess immigration, and you'd be shocked to find out what their proposed solution is. Also, we return to Lahaina and the scene of the fire disaster, which killed over 100 people with still hundreds and possibly a thousand unaccounted for. Now it appears there's a cover-up in play on the island of Maui. And continuing our October Frightening Finally series, this week, our The Bigger Picture segment features a true tale of an untrustworthy teacher. All of this on today's edition of Narrative Wars. I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons, and you don't want to miss this. We the people are sick and tired. Let's peel back the curtain of confusion to shed light upon the mainstream media madness. And now, Narrative Wars with your host, Jeffrey K. Lyons. Well, jumping right into our first piece on today's program, a children becoming ammunition in the narrative battle between Israel and Hamas. That's the story on a news service called First Post. I listened to a number of different pieces, which had different points of view and different takes on the conflict between Hamas and Israel. And this one really stood out. So let's take a listen to this report from Palki Sharma. This is cut number one. And this is what we want to address tonight. Drawing moral equivalence in this battle is plain wrong because one side is a military on the other side is a terrorist organization. This war was triggered by Hamas. That's where this round of violence began. It's important to remember that. Israel's primary target is the Hamas. But Hamas's primary targets were Israeli civilians. You cannot compare the two. In the weeks ahead, the pictures from Gaza will look much worse and they will make Israel look like the bigger threat to peace. So it's important to not lose sight of the big picture. Innocent people have died on both sides, including innocent children reportedly hundreds of them, and now they've become ammunition in this narrative war. Visuals of their bodies are being circulated. It is horrific. Well, the name of this program is Narrative War, and you just heard Palki Sharma say it, that there is a narrative war, and the war of words is taking place between Hamas and Israel. Now, there were a number of things that she pointed out which are worth discussing. First of all, she talked about uh, who started this conflict. Remember, prior to October 7th, uh, 2023, there was relative peace between the borders of the Gaza Strip area and Israel. 
But on the morning of October 7th, everything changed. And who started the conflict? Well, it was Hamas with thousands of missiles coming across. There were people that uh, cut down and knocked down the the border fence between the Gaza Strip and Israel was knocked down and uh, people came through on motorcycles. And then over the fence, uh, there were these paragliders that came in. And so there was a multi-pronged attack with missiles, motorcycles, and even uh, people coming in from the air. And they say as many as a thousand Hamas fighters uh, were penetrating into various regions across Israel, across the north and the south. And it took many days in order to respond to those uh, that infiltrated Israel. Uh, secondly, Hamas attacked Israeli citizens. It's important to note that Hamas did not attack or target Israeli military bases and military strategic locations. They intentionally attacked civilians, helpless civilians, which we pointed out last week that the majority of citizens in Israel do not uh, carry firearms. They're not allowed to. Uh, Those are the laws in uh, Israel. Very, very few, perhaps only 2 to 3% of Israeli citizens carry firearms. So they were completely helpless. And as we mentioned last week, 250 people were slaughtered at a concert just a few kilometers away from the border between Israel and the Gaza Strip. And finally, she mentioned that there will be pictures of dead children, especially of being put out there by Hamas in order to push a narrative war. And they want you to uh, fall for the uh, line that there is some sort of moral equivalence between the two sides. You know, uh, Israel lost children and we lost children, but that's not the case is what uh, she is pointing out. That's what Paul Key Sharma of uh, First Post is pointing out. That it was Hamas that attacked. It was Hamas that uh, killed and murdered children and young people at a concert. It was Hamas that started the aggression. And so there is no moral equivalence here. Uh, moving on to cut number 1B, we're going to continue. Uh, this is CBN News. IDF orders 1 million civilians to evacuate northern Gaza as wider offensive looms. Let's take a listen to this. This is cut number 1B. And worldwide support for Israel is gaining ground as never before. Chris Mitchell reports from Jerusalem. Thursday night, Israel's new emergency government was sworn in. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu explained why. Since October 7, 2023, at 6 o'clock in the morning, because of the war that was forced on the state of Israel through a murderous terrorist attack from the Gaza Strip. The new government includes former IDF Chief of Staff Benny Gantz and several members of the opposition parties. As the IDF amasses a huge military force on the Gaza border, it's warning civilians in Gaza to get out of harm's way to save Palestinian lives. Now, we're going to stop it here, but we're going to continue with the piece. Uh, This is really uh, something that needs to be pointed out, is that Israel has taken the step to drop hundreds of thousands of pamphlets onto the northern uh, Gaza Strip area in order to 
uh, warns civilians to get out of the area uh, because there there will be an active war zone and it will take place uh, very soon. Uh, this is interesting because in the piece by uh, CBN News, uh, October 13, 2023, you can find it in the show notes, uh, it says that Hamas told civilians to ignore Israel's warnings and stay home and continue to fire rockets into southern Israel. Now, we've talked about this, uh, in, uh, and many have reported on this, the fact that Hamas has no problem uh, using human beings, civilians, as human shields in order to uh, surround the uh, Hamas uh, fighters who are firing rockets into Israel. So in other words, if Israel retaliates, then the citizens, the civilians will be injured also. And this is their modus operandi. Uh, this is the state of their moral decay. Uh, we continue with this piece. And I would like to read verbatim, word for word, the message that we sent, obviously in Arabic, to the local population in Gaza City, informing them of the need to evacuate from where they are for their own safety. This is the message. The IDF calls for the evacuation of all civilians from Gaza City, from their homes, southwards, for their own safety and protection, and to move to the area south of Wadi Aza, the river Gaza, as shown on the map. Now I ask you, uh, prior to October 7th, did Hamas drop hundreds of thousands of leaflets uh, to warn the Israelis that an attack was coming? No, they didn't. But this is the state of affairs uh, between Hamas and Israel. Israel does not want to harm the civilians. They only want to uh, take out the threat, which is Hamas. In addition, there's now multiple stories coming out right now regarding the southern border between uh, Gaza Strip and Egypt. And some reports say that the Egyptians will not allow the border to uh, be opened uh, to the refugees coming out of the Gaza Strip. There are also conflicting reports that say Hamas has bombed the Gaza side of the border to prevent civilians from crossing into Egypt. And at the same time, there's other reports that blame the Israelis on bombing the border. So here's the question, which story do you believe? Well, it's clearly a fluid story. It's difficult to know who's telling the most accurate story. But what is clear is that when there are multiple stories coming out which contradict each other uh, simultaneously, then we're in a propaganda war. A narrative war is taking place. The propaganda war seeks to blame the other side and the narrative war seeks to gain the moral high ground and the support of the international community. Moving to our next piece, the Biden administration makes shocking reversal on border wall policy. Well, this was Fox News October 5th, 2023. It was covered on Fox and Friends. And apparently the Biden administration has had a sudden change of heart regarding the border wall. Let's take a listen to this piece 
And this is cut number two. The Secretary of Homeland Security, uh, Mr. Mayorkas, apparently snapped out of it and realized, wait, there's like a gazillion people flooding into the country. And now they're announcing that there's an immediate need to build 17 miles of border wall in Star County, Texas, because of illegal entry. Now, this was initially announced in June. It's part of what Joe Biden, though, announced in his inauguration. Essentially, they're ending the diversion of border money from military projects and using actual money that Congress appropriated for stuff like this. Yeah, the DHS, uh, they posted this announcement and uh, outlining just where this construction would be in Star County, like you said, Steve. It's part of a very busy border patrol sector, seeing very high illegal entry. 245,000 illegal entries have been recorded this fiscal year in the Rio Grande Valley sector, and that contains 21 of these counties. So everyone was shocked when they heard uh, Alejandro Mayorkas say this. He said there is presently an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers and roads in the vicinity of the border of the United States in order to prevent unlawful entries into the United States. That is a sharp contrast. Yeah. Oh no, what a shock. Alexander Mayorkas, the person in charge of the border and the border security who's let in millions and millions of people suddenly has had a change of mind. How did this happen? Did he have an epiphany? Did he have an out-of-body experience? Folks, it depends on which story you listen to. If you listen to the Fox report, it says he's going to build 17 miles. Uh, if you look at BBC News, we have a story here from Catherine Armstrong. Again, the uh, links are in the show notes. According to the BBC News, uh, they're going to build 20 miles. Uh, 20 miles sounds a little better than 17 so they don't really know. Is it going to be 17? Is it going to be 20? It really doesn't matter because as we listen to this story, we'll find out the whole story is a ruse, but Fox is getting all excited about it. Wow, look at this. They've been listening to us. Uh, now something's going to change. They're actually going to uh, make a difference and they're going to build a portion of the wall. Let's see as this story unfolds. It really is not uh, much of a story at all. Pretty much a snoozer, but uh, they're trying to get the Fox audience all excited that it's a win. Let's take a listen to this. To the early days of this administration. Uh, I think we're missing the whole story. Uh, this president who got in saying, I'm going to use high tech and we don't need a wall. I'm going to change these horrible policies has now found out that his policies are terrible. It has cost the biggest collapse on our border in American history and not building the barrier is not going back to the Viking age. It is actually absolutely necessary. And the thing was, last month, we found out they were selling the wall that we paid for as taxpayers for pennies on the dollar because the Senate was beginning to move on forcing the construction of that wall. Now, Mayorkas is admitting that he's building just 20 miles of that wall. Just 20 miles. So that's going to be in desperate areas of Texas, an Eagle Pass area. But it should be 500 miles. So he's only building 20 miles. I mean, they go on and on talking about this, the uh, Fox talking heads. Wow, this is so exciting. Wow, we're gaining the narrative. Wow, 20 miles? Are you kidding? When they need 500, they'll just walk around those new 20 miles of fence and just still walk right in the United States. It won't make a hill of beans difference. Look, if the Titanic 
had a 100-yard gash. I'm not saying it was exactly 100 yards. I'm just, this is an example. If any ship had a 100-yard gash in it below the waterline, which is what happened to Titanic, that's what sunk it because the gash was so long that uh, numerous compartments flooded and they could only flood a certain amount of compartments and keep the boat afloat. But uh, if there were multiple, even watertight compartments that flooded, the ship was going to go down. So what's the difference? If you have a 100-yard gash uh, in a boat and you only repair less than a foot, is it really going to make a difference? If you repair only 20 miles of the wall, but you need 500 miles of wall, do you think they'd be able to find that 480-mile-long gash in the border of the United States and be able to just walk right in there? Of course they would. So this is just a silly non-story, but they're all excited about it. Basically, Fox took the bait. And uh, look, folks, don't fall for this. Look, why did they? Why did Biden put this out? Well, because it's a desperate move on the part of the Biden administration to what? To gain approval of the American people for the actions of the Biden administration. They want to pretend that they are protecting the border. They are not. At, at the same time, Biden is playing both sides uh, of the fence. He's trying to gain support from independents and moderate Republicans. So Biden is playing both sides. He's trying to gain support from independents and moderate Republicans. And at the same time, he's saying that he can't stop the funding. Uh, Biden is pacifying the disapproval from his own base. So you see how this works? It's like a two-sided coin. You know, one side says, build the wall, build the wall, which I'm in that camp. Yes, we need to build the wall, but you can't just build the wall and leave huge gaps in it because then it doesn't do any good. And then on the other side, there are those that, you know, don't want the wall to be built, but Biden's hardcore supporters, and he's just playing dumb which he does rather well, and saying, well, I can't stop it. The funding's already been approved. Well, that's interesting because he's been in office going on three years and only suddenly the funding has been approved and he can't stop it. How about the fact that Trump is beating him by 10 points in the polls? Ah, and Biden needs to have some talking points in order to invigorate his base. I think that's what's actually going on here. Well, it seems the Narrative Wars posse has formed, and the social media app Getter is where the posse is gathering. Just go to at Jeffrey K. Lyons, that's Lyons with a Y, on Getter, that's G-E-T-T. TR uh, to follow this program. Uh, you can download the Getter app on uh, any of your devices and uh, be part of this conversation. Last week, uh, we mentioned that a certain search engine had rated this program as 18 plus adult content. Well, of course, that claim is 100% false. This week, I am happy to report that that same unmentioned search engine has released Narrative Wars from Podcast Timeout. 
we no longer have a false 18 plus adult content rating, which is great news. We are thankful for any prayers of protection regarding this program. Thankful to our audience. Now, more than ever, when the woke Nazis are trying to silence our voices, please, five-star rate, follow, share this program with two to three like-minded Americans. If everybody who enjoys listening to Narrative Wars shares this program with two to three like-minded patriots, we'll send a message that our voices will not be silenced. Here at Narrative Wars, we refuse to bow to the woke globalist agenda that wants to take away our liberty. Your support of this program is greatly appreciated. And now, let's continue. Moving on to our next piece, Maui County won't say who is in charge during the Lahaina fire. This is a piece by KITV News, October 10th, 2023. It's quite interesting what is unfolding, sort of this uh, veil of ignorance, veil of incompetence uh, is falling over the island of Maui. Now, the fire occurred on August the 8th of 2023. And there should have been an incident commander there in Maui County that was directing the Emergency Operations Center. But according to this report, it's very difficult to find out who was in charge when the fire was taking place and what the timeline was in order to sort of piece together how the county reacted while this fire was taking place. Let's take a listen to this. This is cut number 3A. The latest is Maui County has gone quiet with information they say they have. We asked on August 8th between the hours of 3 and 6 p.m. who was actively managing the Lahaina emergency, if anybody. Three and a half weeks ago, a representative from the Maui County Joint Information Center told us they have that information, but are not authorized to release it. Maui County also not releasing information on an evacuation timeline for orders called by either the fire department or police department in the field or by the emergency operations center. So they know who was in charge or who was supposed to be in charge, but they won't tell the public. They have a timeline. They know what took place during the Lahaina fire, but they won't tell the public. So what is going on? Let's continue. We're going to hear the mayor, Richard Bisson, respond to the reporter. Let's continue with this piece. Since the first press conference, reporters pressed the mayor on messaging that came from the county on August 8th. What the thinking was to, to either tell people to shelter in place. I'm going to guess that the person you spoke to was a visitor. We because, spoke to a lot of people. No, I'm going to talk. No, let me explain. Yeah. Uh, you spoke to a visitor if they were asked to shelter in place. But contrary to the mayor's statement, at the height of the self-evacuation from Lahaina Town, Maui County's Facebook page posted this at 4.56 p.m. People on the west side are advised to shelter in place unless evacuations are ordered. So yes, people were asked to stay in their hotels and not leave. The residents were evacuated. Those are the folks that we took out of there. 
Were evacuations ordered in the 3, 4, and 5 p.m. hours? The county has never presented evidence of that. The county also won't answer questions about who was active in the emergency operations center. Fire, police, the hospital, the hotel association, parks, public works. Former Maui Mayor Alan Arakawa says when standing up the EOC, dozens of partners are represented, including Hawaiian Electric. This is the EOC on the Big Island in July, days before Hurricane Calvin. Note, fire and police sitting right next to each other. Everybody who's critical should have a representative there, if you're sitting it upright. Was the EOC on Maui assembled like this in the 3 p.m., 4 p.m., 5 p.m. hours of August 8th? And who was on point as incident commander? I'm not sure who was in charge. I think Herman Andaya was still in charge. He just wasn't present. Oh, my goodness. So the mayor who was on the island during the time of fire says, I don't know who was in charge. This is, this is unbelievable. And yet the county admits that they know who's in charge, but they won't release that information. So a number of things to mention here. This is just a pathetic attempt to cover up incompetence. Secondly, the mayor even attempted to blame Herman Andaya, the former administration at the Maui Emergency Management Agency. Remember, he was the guy that uh, just said that uh, uh, he was fine, that they didn't sound the sirens. And yet, Andaya was on Oahu, a different island, at a FEMA conference, of all places, when the Lahaina fire occurred. And the mayor says he thinks Andaya was in charge. Well, we just heard the former mayor, Arakawa, the former mayor of Maui County say that when an emergency happens, everyone's assembled in the room. They're looking at each other. You've got fire there. You've got police there. You've got the mayor and the mayor's uh, office represented there and any other people uh, that are important in terms of uh, emergency response, uh, people representing a medical so there's no way that Herman Andaya could have been a player in the EOC because he was on a different island. He wasn't even there. But the mayor says, well, I don't know. Maybe Herman Andaya was in charge. Well, that's convenient because Herman Andaya has quit. And so, yeah, just go ahead and throw the guy under the bus who's quit. Was the mayor even at the emergency operations center on Maui during the time of the Lahaina fire, which is in the early afternoon to the late afternoon on August the 8th, 2023. Was he even there? We still don't even know. And why so much cover-up? Why is there no accounting of who was at the EOC exactly? Why is there no timeline being released? The county says they have a timeline, they won't release it. Why is there an insistence that an evacuation order was sent when testimony from the residents, and you've got all sorts of testimony, it's, it's all out there, and, and we've played some of it on prior programs. We did two other programs uh, prior to this program where we talked about the La Lahaina fire, and nobody is saying that they had 
a uh, warning. The sirens didn't go off. Policemen didn't go from door to door. They didn't have warnings. They just had to scramble and neighbors warned other neighbors and said, you got to get out. So <laughs> I don't know what else to say here. Uh, somebody's covering uh, for someone else uh, in order that somebody or a lot of somebody's don't get fired because what this whole thing smells like is incompetence. And now we turn to our final segment of our program, which we like to call The Bigger Picture. In today's edition of The Bigger Picture, we open with a strange and yet true tale of an untrustworthy fourth grade teacher in Miami-Dade County Charter School. Well, this is a true story, and it was actually covered by a local television station uh, in Miami-Dade County. Let's take a listen to this cut number five, and then we're going to talk about this terrifying tale. Before students from the Academy of Innovative Education were let out of class, this mother let out her frustration. I feel completely abandoned by the school. and Michelle Diaz reached out to CBS News Miami. She said her fourth grader twins were distraught because of a movie their math teacher played for students on Monday, October 2nd. So they were exposed 20 to 30 minutes to a movie called Winnie the Pooh, Honey and Blood. This is the trailer of the film. It's rated NR, meaning not rated. The premise? Two bloodthirsty murderers, one of them wearing Winnie the Pooh mask, terrorize a group of young university women. He didn't stop the movie, even though there were kids like, hey, just stop the movie, we don't want to watch this and whatever. How was that movie picked? So he said that the children picked it. It's not them to decide what they want to watch. It's up to the professor to like look at the content. By being a charter school, the Academy of Innovative Education is not under the umbrella of Miami-Dade Public Schools. This institution hires their personnel independently. CBS News Miami reached out to the head of the school, Ms. Vera Hirsch. She responded with a statement acknowledging that fourth graders were shown a segment of a horror movie and the administration promptly addressed the issue directly with the teacher and has taken appropriate action to ensure the safety and well-being of students. Well, another number of troubling questions come to mind here. What does a horror picture, a grade C horror picture about criminals killing people while one of them is wearing a Winnie the Pooh mask what does any of this have to do with mathematics and fourth grade students? It doesn't sound like any elementary school math class that I've attended. In fact, how often do math teachers even show movies to their students? Well, thinking creatively, perhaps a documentary about famous mathematicians uh, is out there or Maybe there's cool things that a person can do with math skills like engineering or design bridges and buildings. Uh, perhaps that would be inspiring to a fourth grader and to have a film which talks about that. Perhaps inventors who need mathematic skills. But a grade C horror film about murdering and terrorizing 
young adults that are college students, while the bad guys, one of the bad guys is wearing a Winnie the Pooh mask. Uh, This is clearly out of line. Of course, there's the lame excuse by the teacher that, oh, the children requested the film. Well, what if the children requested The Exorcist or some X-rated film? Is the teacher just going to allow any film requested by a fourth grader student to be shown in the class? The entire notion is absurd, and so is the teacher's excuse. Which begs the question, if the teacher was even considering showing this film, why didn't the teacher first talk to parents about it? And what about the fact that the teacher played uh, the film for almost 30 minutes and students were protesting and saying, stop the film, and yet the teacher just let it go on? Clearly, it seems that the common sense of this teacher is lacking and I'm being kind, and discipline is warranted, and perhaps dismissal is even justified based on the school policy. Well, the administrator admitted that the film was shown to a fourth-grade mathematics class, and the administrator promised to look into the matter. It wasn't even mentioned that the teacher was put on suspension There should be something in the school policy manual, something that shows some clear guidelines for what is appropriate and not appropriate in a fourth grade classroom. This was clearly inappropriate. And you heard the parent, she had twins. And so they were both in the class and they were both terrorized and traumatized. The mother in the television report went on to say that she wants to see the teacher terminated, but she does not feel safe sending her children back to this particular math teacher. Well, all this brings us to a wider topic of what should parents of young children do during the month of October, especially if their children are attending a public school. Well, you could talk to your children's teachers. You could ask them if they intend to show any films or have any Halloween-related activities. As a parent, you should have the right to know what is taking place in your child's classroom. But in any case, parents only found out about the film after the fact, when their young children were traumatized, fearful, and running into their parents' bedrooms at night because they could not sleep. Now, I understand there's a number of people in the Narrative Wars audience that aren't parents yet. But if you're a parent-to-be, or considering becoming a parent in the future, all of this will become quite relevant someday. Now, Parents, you could talk to your children's teachers. You could ask them if they intend to show any films or have any Halloween-related activities. And as a parent, uh, parents should have the right to know what's taking place in their child's classroom. In this case, parents only found out about the film after the fact, when their young children were traumatized, fearful, and running into their parents' bedrooms at night. It's at times like these that we must take a deeper look inside ourselves and ask, what type of world do I want my children to grow up in? 
Some parents have decided to homeschool their children. Other parents decided to purchase a home based on the school district. And this is very common. Still, other parents are unfortunately not able to move their place of residence. And they're left to deal with the consequences of a poorly managed school. There's no easy solution. At the end of the day, parents are ultimately responsible for the education of their children. I think of the case of Dr. Ben Carson, who was raised by a single mother. His parents divorced when he was at the age of nine. Carson's mother always encouraged her son to read, to study, to do well in school. And Carson wrote an autobiography called Gifted Hands, in which he describes his academic struggles and his perseverance that led him to become one of the foremost neurosurgeons in the United States of America, working at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. So what is our takeaway from this true tale of fourth grade education gone wrong in Miami-Dade County Charter School? First, keep in touch with your children's teachers so that you understand what's going on in the classroom. Second, hold teachers and administrators responsible if you feel that a school policy has not been upheld and ask how you, as a parent, can be part of the solution. You know, don't just throw stones at teachers and walk away, but try to be part of the solution to help and support those teachers in the classroom. If you see a situation that needs to be addressed, reach out and ask, how can you help? Teachers want to see parents that are involved with their children's education. Third, listen to your children when they talk to you about their time at school. Fourth, understand that it's the parent who's ultimately responsible for the education of their children and not the school. And fifth, have books at home that your younger children and you can read together. Instill in your children a love for both reading and learning. Dr. Ben Carson mentioned that he had a problem with his temper and controlling his anger. And he mentions a situation that happened in the ninth grade. He talks about actually lunging at a friend and trying to stab him when the friend changed a radio station. But fortunately, Carson was unsuccessful. His friend wasn't injured. But the incident got his attention. Seeking guidance, Carson said he began reading the book of Proverbs. And he began to apply the verses he saw in that book, which had to do with anger. The book was written as fatherly advice from King Solomon to his son. And Carson didn't have a father in his life. Well, as a result of reading the book of Proverbs, Carson stated that he, quote, never had another problem with temper, unquote. Truly, children are the greatest gift and the most valuable resource that we have in America. We need to protect them, nurture them, and inspire them. 
as they grow into their potential. In this land of the free and the home of the brave, just like a tree planted by a stream of fresh water, a child will flourish and yield fruit when the time is right. And that's a comforting thought. Until next time for Narrative Wars, I'm your host, Dr. Jeffrey K. Lyons. We the people are sick and tired So tired